0: This podcast is offered by the San Francisco Zen Center on the web at www.sfcc.org. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Good evening, everyone. Thank you, Koto, for the introduction. And I'd like to thank Nancy Petrin, our tanto or head of practice, for inviting me tonight. I'd also like to thank my teacher, Agent Linda C- Ruth Cutts, and two other teachers who I'll mention tonight in my talk, Chosen Bays and Joanna Macy, who've both been mentors for me. And I'd like to thank each of you who's here tonight with us to um, I'd thank you for your presence here, and for your attention. And I'd I'd like to invite everyone to take a moment to settle in your body, to ground yourself. If you're sitting on a chair, you might wanna feel your feet on the floor. Maybe take a deep breath and allow yourself to fully arrive. I have to say uh, it's been wonderful today to have a a day with blue sky and air we could breathe. And the light seemed to glisten today after over a week of um, actually dangerous air quality some days. And last Wednesday, just a week ago, the sky was totally dark for those of you who are not in the Bay Area. It was very eerie feeling uh, being indoors needing light, lights on all day long um, and to keep the windows closed because of the particulates in the air. So I think for many of us, this has been a very difficult time I'm not talking just about this past week, but the six months of sheltering in place, the isolation that's caused us, uh, economic hardship for many, a heightened awareness of systemic racism, and the upcoming election. So it has been a very challenging time, and uh, I have I, in preparing for this talk, I found it difficult to know what I could say that might both reflect and face, look at some of the difficult things we're living with uh, now, and also uh, some of the ways in which um, many of us, including me, are finding nourishment and um, Connection and um, you know, not knowing how long we're going to be sheltering pla- in place, not knowing so many things about uh, what's going to happen in our country and the world, still to find life meaningful and um, and that there's work to be done and um it's no different from any other time and there's also much to appreciate and be grateful for so this weekend this was still when the air quality was poor and made it difficult to go outside uh i thought about the koan in which a monk asks the teacher young men what is the teaching of a lifetime? And Youngman replies an appropriate response. An appropriate response. So, what is an appropriate response to the weight of these events? And with, with this question in mind, I'll share an experience of the Oregon fires that Chosen Bay's experienced through visiting her son who lived in one of the towns that was um, practically destroyed by wildfires last week. And she wrote about her visit and shared, shared that online. Uh, I will also talk about how through Chosen Bays, I came to learn about Jizo Bodhisattva. And I'll talk a little bit about Jizo Bodhisattva and an archetype of an awakened being that embodies a great um, sense of strength in the midst of challenging situations and uh, can inspire um, compassion. I'll say more about Jesus Bodhisattva. And I'll also share the work of uh, one of my, uh, I would say, in, uh, in... A source of great inspiration in my life, Joanna Macy, whose um, work, she calls it the work that reconnects, has inspired me since I first met her in 1982. Joanna gave a talk. uh, uh, She was in conversation with Stephanie Casa at Zen Center on Saturday night online. But um, yeah, a a beautiful evening and very well-timed. So I'm going to talk about Chosen Bays and her husband, Hogan Bays. They are both guiding teachers uh, at Great Bow Monastery in Clatskanie, uh, Oregon, some distance from Portland. And I, they, yeah, so they have a son who uh, lives with his wife and their grandson, Noah, who's 10, in um Talent, Oregon. Uh, It's about five hours from Portland. And um, about a week ago, Chosen and Hogan, who were at Great Bow Monastery, got a call from their son that he and his family were leaving their house because winds of 35 to 45 miles an hour were driving a fire up the I-5 freeway. They'd gone to a gas station on the freeway and saw that their son, their son Vajra's best friend's house was on fire. They were the last people to get gas and the station closed and then was rapidly overcome by fire. They, uh, they found out that their friends had escaped with a backpack each, and then they saw the fire jump the freeway to the side where they live. They were able to drive home pack a few things, and spent the night in a friend's driveway in their van with six bunnies, a cat, and a fish in a small tank. And when they went home the next morning, they discovered a fire raging 200 feet from their house in a trailer park. Their home was saved partly by the straight path of the winds and by an airdrop of retardant on the house between them and the trailer park. So um, an estimated 500 homes burned in Talent and 1,000 in Phoenix, a small town just to the north. So Chosen got the call from her son, and she and Hogan packed up boxes of clothing and shoes from the monastery, Great Valley Monastery, where they lived. They packed canned food and blankets and drove down to donate to the uh, to the evacuees and check on their. Uh, grandson and how he was doing emotionally. And she says, we took him to see his best friend at a motel and he gave her three of his stuffed animals. One was a small dog she had been partial to. She, the friend clutched them to her chest and keened close to tears. Her house was burned to the ground as are all the others in the path of the fire. Um, So they helped their son get a generator and masks efficient against smoke. Their water had been out and came back while they were there. Their internet cables were burned, so there was no internet. And there were about 300 electric power poles burnt through and downed, with burned frayed electric lines on the ground everywhere. Um, So they were happy that their son would be able to share the generator with their neighbors who had no electricity. So uh, I'm sharing that description because when I read it, it just brought home to me how so many people are suffering now in these fires, um, losing their homes, losing their, uh, some of them losing their towns and the fires are still not fully under control. Um, And Chosen ended her, uh, she called it a bulletin, by saying rejoice that you are still alive, still have shelter and loved ones, are still able to practice and keep a stable heart and mind so you can respond to what comes forward and help others. So, what is an appropriate response? I thought her son, her grandson, actually her ten-year-old grandson, giving three of his toys to his best friend, um, that she, who clearly needed some comfort in that moment, and um, Hogan and chosen bringing things from the monastery that they knew people would need uh, facing what was happening and supporting their family. Um, And this time also brings out great generosity and great kindness and courage. I am so grateful to all the firefighters um, and firefighters coming from other states to California, Oregon, and Washington to help put out these fires. Um, so I, I, I had chosen as someone I got to know 15 years ago. She and others from Great Bao, Bao Monastery organized a, a pilgrimage to Hiroshima and Nagasaki For the 60th anniversary of the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Chosen uh, was born on the day that the U.S. bombed Nagasaki. So she was 60 years old and she wanted to do something to atone for or express um, uh, a deep apology for what our country had done. And so she had the idea of bringing 60 images of Jizo Bodhisattva uh, to Japan and then someone convinced her to instead bring 230,000 images of Jizo Bodhisattva, one for each person who died in the first year after the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So she realized it would take a group to accomplish that. And I heard about this project when I was living at Tassahara and uh, we were making uh, stamped claws that became prayer flags with stamped images of Jizo Bodhisattva. I want to share with you uh, 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 a statue of Jizo Bodhisattva to give you an idea. Uh, Jizo um, typically looks like a monk, very simple, and in one hand carries this staff usually it has six rings on it and the rings jingle so that when Jesus walking uh, creatures on the path would hear the sound and scatter so it's um, not to be injured and in jizo's other hand there's a jewel it blends in with the color of the statue so but i think you may be able to see it it's called a wish fulfilling jewel or the jewel of uh, our own Buddha nature. Um, Statues of Jizo and little altars are found at many crossroads in Japan. And Jizo is said to be a protector of of travelers and also of children. Uh, And you see outside cemeteries in Japan, usually six Jizo statues, one for each of the six realms um, that are said to be. Know, in some um, Buddhist cosmology, where souls may migrate after death, um, and uh, because Jizo is said to have the ability to go to some of those realms where people people may be still in pain and uh, find ways to heal them. Uh, On the Jizos for Peace pilgrimage, we visited temples in Kyoto where the main statue rather than Buddha was Jizo, and some of those were temples where people went when they were ill or uh, emotionally upset to find some some solace. Um, So I think, you know... um, Jizo is one of the bodhisattvas or the awakened beings that are kind of archetypes of different energies that we can draw on when we need support, when we might need more compassion or to, develop our, to develop our compassion for ourselves and others and um, steadfastness, uh, wisdom. Each bodhisattva archetype has a... A particular uh, quality that they embody, and that these qualities can really be helpful in times like this. Um, I could I could say a lot more about the Jesus for Peace pilgrimage, but that I think I will save that story for another time. It was uh, one of those life changing experiences for me. It was the not the first time I'd gone to Hiroshima, Nagasaki, but I went with. Uh, there were 32 uh, Zen most most of us Zen students and priests, many from Great Vow Monastery, uh, and we we brought these jizos and gave them away in Hiroshima, Nagasaki, uh, and visited Kyoto as well. So that has that um, uh, you know, really seeing how, and one of the messages I, I got from that trip was seeing how people survived. Not many, I mean, many people died, but those who survived. We met many survivors of the atomic bomb, called Hibakusha. Um, many of them were dedicating. The remaining years to teaching young people about what had happened and to work towards preventing another nuclear war. So uh, on Saturday night, I I felt really um, I would say uh, blessed um, to have the opportunity to hear Joanna Macy uh, and. Stephanie Casa in conversation. Um, it was partly in celebration of, of a book. Joanna Macy turned 90 last year. And this was a book uh, called A Wildlife, A Wild Love for the World. And it was about her many decades of activist and scholarly work. And um, Joanna, you know, just Joanna was um, in Washington state. She lives in Berkeley, but she was in Washington and Stephanie was in Portland, Oregon, where she lives and both places having a very, um, very dense uh, air uh, on Saturday night and talking about the climate crisis and how it's Impacting us, how it's um, uh, how this is such a, a time of rapid change, and also a time, as Joanna sees it, a time of great opportunity. And um, the work that Joanna does is usually done in groups, and um, it's she calls it the work that reconnects because it can help us reconnect with ourselves. As well as with others and the wider world, um, and I first uh, took a workshop with Joanna Macy in 1982 on the East Coast where I was living, and that was another one of those life-changing experiences uh, because it woke it it woke me up in a way I had. Done a lot of activist work earlier in my life, and I was a social worker at that time, and had stepped back from um, direct involvement in the peace movement or other issues, and the workshop really rekindled my uh, my activism in some significant ways. I uh, yeah at that time Joanna's work was called Despair and Empowerment, and she wrote her first book was Despair and Personal Power in the Nuclear Age. That was a time when the U.S. was sending uh, nuclear weapons to England and Germany where they were being stored. And Joanna was very concerned about that and also about nuclear waste. And so the environment has been one of her concerns for decades. And um, The work that reconnects, which um, has spread all over the world now, um, is is work that um, has four parts, and I'm I'm going to say briefly what they are. It starts with getting in touch with what we love about the planet, what we love about um, our communities. And um, you might take a moment to think about something in nature that you love or if, if you're in the city, it could be a tree or a garden, just something that 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 you're so grateful for its existence, you know. Um, and starting with from from that sense of gratitude, which I find really opens my heart, um, as a group, people would then explore some of the feelings of grief for what's happening to some of these places and uh, species and mountains and rivers that we love, grief and other strong emotions, outrage and fear, and we do this in a a ritual that she created called the Truth Mandala, and uh, think about things like, if the earth could speak to us now, what would the earth say? What would some of these trees that are burning say to us now? And then moving from there to a sense of deep time, she calls it, where we're in touch with our ancestors. And those of us who are Zen students frequently recite the names of our ancestors going back to the seven Buddhas before Buddha. So that's way before 2,500 years ago But we also have ancestors in our families um, and ancestors in in other species that were on Earth before humans were. Trees that are very ancient, um, the oceans, mountains. And to have a sense of continuity in time, past, I'm present, and then to think about future generations as well, which really expands um, our, um, at least for me, my ability to um, see what's happening now in a different context, a broader context. And from there, to use imagination to envision the world as we might like it to be. And then the last part of the work is going forth, finding ways to connect with others, um, to learn about the kind of power that comes from interconnectedness. She calls it power with rather than power over. And then to uh, with every workshop, there's a, a, a way in which you narrow down on one small thing you could do in the next week after the workshop that will make a difference, move, move, move you a little step closer to your vision of how the world could be. And um, so, for me, this weekend, you know, thinking about climate change and how I'd like the world to be, there was a strong connection for me with the upcoming election. And on Sunday, I participated with a number of other San Francisco Zen Center. Uh, residents and members of the wider community. And also, uh, there were about 200 people, some from other uh, what we call branching stream sanghas, as Kodo referred to, the sanghas in the Suzuki-Roshi lineage all around the country, uh, in an election retreat. And um, each person in that retreat wrote 20 letters that will help get out the vote in in various states around the country. Our our group wrote letters to Pennsylvania. And so with 200 people each writing 20 letters, that was 4,000 letters that we generated that day. Uh, These retreats have been taking place all summer and will continue. So that's one small thing I feel I can do uh, to make a difference. Um, And just thinking about some of the other tools that we have that are so close that are really part of our practice I, uh, zazen meditation for one um i i feel that's one of the things that's helped me stay steady through these months of so little c- contact I and mean, the, there is there are ways that certainly we're able to see each other tonight and these screens, but it's, it's it's I miss sitting in the zendo with uh, the sangha, and I miss having talks in the Buddha Hall, open to people in the community, and sharing that space together. I miss being able to be with friends. But anyway, back to zazen, we do have the practice, and we can all do it, and we can do it uh, with others through the online zendos all around the country now. Um, we also have ceremonies. We do a this week weekly well-being ceremony where we can think about loved ones who are ill and send them our energy. Um, chanting, sharing our voices in that way. We don't do a lot of that right now um, together, but we actually can do it in our rooms. And we have each other, the community, uh, I have such great appreciation for both the residential community and the wider community, the community that now extends so far away through um, these um, meetings by Zoom. Um, I want to get back to the sharing our voices. One wonderful thing that happened for me on uh, Saturday during um, Joanna Macy and Stephanie's talk was I saw the face of a dear friend who lives in Albany, New York, who I hadn't seen since the, since the 1980s. And we managed to connect with each other by sending, please, uh, this is probably not a good thing to encourage people to do, but we've we connected over chat. It was not a, couldn't be a private chat. So she just said, recognized me and was happy to see me. And then she said, how can I get in touch? And so she, her name is Ruth Pelham and she's a singer songwriter uh, who's been writing songs uh, that bring people together. That's been her um to create inclusive community through songs. She's done a lot of work with children. And I'd like to end my talk tonight before we have a little time for Q and A by sharing one of her songs and inviting you to sing the chorus, uh, which it's, the words are love is all around. And I'm doing this partly because I miss singing with people. And I, in the past, um, I've sometimes ended Dharma talks with songs as have other Dharma teachers. Steve Stuckey had a beautiful singing voice and would often sing at the end of one of his talks. And attention, Reb Anderson also. I still remember him singing When the Red, Red Robin Comes, Blah, Blah, bob and Along. So um, if you bear with me, and I hope this will be an enjoyable experience for you. I've, uh, Kodo is going to... Um, Make it possible for us to hear the song, and uh, you'll know when it's time to sing Love Is All Around. There'll be an, a few verses. So here it comes. <laughs> like you.